welcome to Wobblies and Wizards. I'm your host, Logar. How you doing? Oh, this is Light, the Light Finger Thief. Light, I've got a question for you. All right, what might that be, Logar? If you were a Dungeons and Dragons class, what class do you think you would realistically be of them all? Of all of them, no, that's an interesting question. I would probably end up being like a like a gnome engineer of some sort. <laughs> a gnome engineer is that a class? Let's take uh, the four core. You got the magic user, the cleric, the thief, and the uh, what am I forgetting? Fighter, the fighter, user, and yeah. the fi- fighter, magic user, cleric, and thief of the four core. Which one do you think you might be? I would probably be a, probably a magic user. Even though I I never played Magic User in game, <laughs> that's what I that, that's what I was thinking. I was I was kind of leaning towards that. I felt that that would probably be. <laughs> How about you, Logar? Which one do you think? You... I I would be the fighter. Be the fighter. One hundred percent. As much as I'd rather be a Magic User, you know, I was a Marine. I've I was a Bruiser when I was younger. I had some trouble. <laughs> I would probably <laughs> be the fighter. Um, you know. So we're going to talk about classes character classes and that can be a lot of classes depending on which edition you're playing <laughs> and what yes. game you're playing because you know in the original osr as logo mentioned you only had three maybe four classes right because yeah you, so there was i think originally it was cleric magic user and fighter fighter there was no thief the thief was added and was like, added later on I don't, was it the Greyhawk rule set or something that added? I can't remember. I, yeah, I don't remember. I know, I know, I, I can name at least two names that are going to correct us on this when this is over with and they've heard it. <laughs> and we we'll welcome, have to have them on to talk about the history of the classes. Yeah, we, we, uh, welcome, we welcome them to the show later on. We'll have but, to, when they can jump out in here with us. Yeah. But no, it's uh, always interesting because, you know, growing up, you only had the, uh, at least with, with, with BX, which, was what I what I played is you had the four four classes. So if you want to play like a knight, that was pretty easy to build with a fighter. But if yes. you want to play like a swashbuckling pirate or a, a monk, well, I mean they add a monk later on, but you know early on trying to get into those subclasses, it was a little bit trickier because there are no rule sets for it. <laughs> so, well, yeah. By the time you get to AD and D in second edition, there's quite a few classes to choose from. You have like things like rangers and bards in second edition that are part of those main classes, and like things like monks and all that. And the classes get much more wide and diverse. By the time you reach third edition, I have some opinions on the classes in third. Edition. I would agree with you. So for me, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I I fully agree with you. So for me, you know, I think it's good to have some subclasses but not like a billion subclasses either that a game is a little bit complicated for me. You know, for me, if you have like four or five subclasses within each of the core, I think that's sufficient. But then with some of the things that they've been doing in, like you said, three, three E or Pathfinder, it's gotten quite complicated. Well, I like to be able to create a creative character, but like a lot of character classes I feel are fighters. Yep. What, what happened during that period of third edition was there were lots of books that were coming out. And before, you know, a lot of the stuff that came out was for the Dungeon Master. It was modules and adventures and books like that so that you could run the game. When third edition came around, there was a big change in that. Uh, no, second edition did have what they called the splat books. Everybody remembers the little maroonish tan colored books for classes. 
I never played those. <laughs> I've never used them a lot. We definitely had people that used them to roll up characters back in the day, but they gave like variations on core classes. Like there was a book of paladins. There's a book of, right. I think I have all of them. I don't know if there's one I'm missing or not. I'm not sure, but they're there. And I don't, they're really good for reading and lore and stuff like that. They're really good. But the time you get to these, these, uh, these editions, there was classes and class options like added to every book kind of made sense for the company perspective is that now you can sell this book yeah, not just more to the stuff. DM, but to, yeah, the, to the players yeah problem i had with that in third edition wasn't that there's was more options it was that the complexity of combat and the complexity of rules got more and more difficult to stick with and the dm and keep you kept on adding new rule sets for you yeah. it's it was confusing for me it was difficult for me to run Whereas I'm used to just, okay, I know the mechanics. I know how things work. Let's go with it. If you want that flavor of a character, play that flavor of a character. It doesn't need a change in mechanics. We can still do a strike for a strike, et cetera, et cetera. And I can make rulings to respond to whatever idea it is. Perfect example is, is your character in the recent game we played, All Flesh Must Be Eaten. Right. Yeah. So for that one, you know, I'm playing a pro wrestler. I picked skills within that game that I thought would complement a pro wrestler, but obviously there was no pro wrestler class, right? So I picked skills of like whatever, martial arts and brawling and wrestling, but then there weren't any rules for doing wrestling moves. It was like punch and kick. So, you know, we just sort of played around with it and just went with the flow of the uh, <laughs> you know game itself. My knowledge of wrestling is very minimal. Never watched a lot of it except for with friends. I went to local wrestling shows and stuff like that with friends, specifically when friends were wrestling. Or when I was growing up, I had a good friend whose father was a wrestler, and we watched him wrestle sometimes at the, the Boys and Girls Club. We'd go to the Boys and Girls yep. Club. They would set up the wrestling ring right <laughs> at the Boys and Girls Club, and they'd go out there and wrestle. And it was fun. I remember there was one feller. He, he's, now I was a kid in junior high, so everybody seemed old to me. He was probably in his early 20s, probably fresh out of high school or whatever. And he was out there. I remember him getting busted really bad in the ring. And everybody said, oh, it's so fake. But what had happened was this kid had gashed his head open and actually had to go back and get himself picked up. Yeah. So they sent him out later on with a, with a skull mask to get revenge as a different character. <laughs> that was fun. We learned all the behind-the-scenes secrets as we were right with his dad hearing about it all from them. They're sitting around drinking their beers post wrestling. <laughs> it was quite everything. But anyways, you're pulling out all these crazy wrestling moves that you're coming up with. If I rolled this character up with some more complex system, it would kind of be like, oh well, you get this move as a feat. It works this way. Whereas opposed, we're just kind of using it as a combat action normally, and you're just it's a combat what action you're doing. and it's flavor to the game. So, you know, pretty much all my attacks are doing like whatever 1d4 with the strength bonus. It's not like we're getting it so complicated where it's like, well, if we do this stuff and maneuver, it's a 1d6 plus two or a 1d8 plus five or something goofy like that. You know, it's pretty standard and it's just flavor for the game, which I'm fine with because, you know. I'm not going to get that complicated. <laughs> yeah, and that takes me back to what I was saying. Like, a lot of classes are subclasses of, like, fighter or magic user. It's just a matter of changing the name and how we're approaching it. I I think that if you have the ability to be more creative with your fighter and not limited to certain moves and say, I'm going to do this. Okay, we got the role to try it. And it's not, like, heavily burdened by negatives because you aren't professional. You know, you're able to do a lot with characters. Totally different approaches to gaming. 
in the post 2000s after the third edition mechanics and system came out which is I, honestly is different than the ad and d era of dnd there seem like they're similar systems they have common themes but they kind of start working in different ways through post 2000 we started introducing skills and feats real heavily into the game on the character sheets we had proficiency and skills that were introduced earlier but they weren't a core part of the game and they didn't function exactly the same way essentially when you start getting to this structure of a game where everything is kind of run with that DC checks and stuff like that, and they start breaking down the combat a little more, adding more elements to it because everybody is something new. I There's a big difference in how that game's ran than how the other one was ran. I find one more complicated than the other. Although most people who started with that third edition later, when they hear or see some of the older stuff, they find that a little intimidating and complex. Sure, it- it depends on what you, like you said, first started and grew up playing or first encountered from a role-playing rule set. Yeah, I think your comfortability with it may be influenced by that some. Now, I've definitely been introduced to new games with sure. new systems and found them nowhere near as intimidating. A year zero system. I think that's smooth, simple mechanic. It goes great. Uh, but anyways, we're kind of going on a tangent off of the classes. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, in regards to the classes. So, you know, again, I like having some level of you know whatever skills and customization that's available however I, I also don't want something that swings to the other side which is you know five billion books and five billion classes as well too so well i have five billion books and i do buy them up and i'm not <laughs> gonna lie when uh, the, the, that pathfinder as much as i had as, as i thought it was more difficult to run than say per se swords and wizardry um and it's kind of cool. <laughs> like reading through the books and seeing all the different stuff. I do for, like it. <laughs> for the flavor, like I said, I do like it. But from having to, like you said, memorize and know all the rules at the table during combat or other things can make it a little bit daunting. Yeah. Um, you know, I do like some of the generic systems out there for like, um, take your pick. You know, I always GURPS, GURPS or the Chaosium basic role play system where everything is based off a percentage and a buy system. Right. So and it makes sense to me if you want to become a, a fighter, you probably spend more time, spend more points um, in your strength and in your fighting ability. But, you know, I also appreciate that, you know, a magic user should be able to use a sword, but the magic user may not be able to use a sword very well because they're primarily a magic user. Mm-hmm. But if you go by, by the book, magic users cannot wear armor and they cannot carry a sword. But my point of view is they should be able to add a negative penalty, of course, and not being able to use it as well. I think that we're talking that the games though have very very specific differences that that uh, there I've heard it talked about as there are class based systems and skill based systems. Yes. And a class based system, these are what the classes can do. It's there's a certain game in that like old D and D, the older style D and D, that is its own unique game. That's not really a skill-based system game because back then you had like Cthulhu would be one a skill-based system game the character is fleshed out by choosing those skills and kind of customizing the character Palladium's a heavy skill-based game and you may have a class that or uh, I'm sorry you don't have a class you have an occupational character class the OCC which gives you your basics but you have skill packages that you pick and choose to kind of define and flesh out the character right there's there seems to be like skill-based games and then class-based games and then third edition merged the two a little bit more 
I'm not familiar with third edition as much, so I would say I prefer skill-based ones than class-based games. Yeah, Cthulhu um, definitely is one that I like. I like that percentage yep. system. Easy to go with. I like, I love the Palladium role-playing games. Wonderful. Not as easy to roll up a character. And part of the difficult, one of the difficult things is writing out every stinking skill. When you're writing out your class skills or your skills and stuff in third edition, fourth edition, fifth edition, whatever. I don't know about fourth because I never played it. That's the one I've never played. In yeah, I've never played fourth either. Just It just went by too fast. <laughs> it was over with before I knew it. Now, when you're, what I like about the skills and that is that you've got a character sheet with a limited amount, like a dozen or so skills that are available. It's not like unending skills in that character sheet there. Right. Some other books that took those systems and expand all these like D20 modern and other things like that may have more that you can add to it. But overall, the base D&D game had a limited amount of those skills you could have. It was printed there. All you had to do is put a check and maybe your skill bonus to the side. That's much easier than having to calculate and write down every single skill when you have lots of skills. Writing down every skill is a task from character creation is something that people don't like to do, like writing down equipment. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And if it's already listed within like a selection table of like, say, 10 for everybody, then that certainly does make it easier to do your calculations and bonuses and such. So I think, you know, again, with everything, there's some balance in the game that, that, that makes it I have elements of uh, simple and complicated. Now, one thing I did not, I've, I've not liked about certain games sometimes is I've been running a game and people come up with classes and I don't know what the heck they are. <laughs> like, I just, what are you? I don't understand what the concept of the class is. And there's so many at a point that I get a little confused at what this person's even playing or the purpose of the character, the idea behind it. I've had that happen before. In which game system? Uh it was Pathfinder. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't understand. And I remember consistently trying to get clarification on exactly what this character class was. And I still to this day, am not sure what my player was playing. <laughs> I was like, I think this person just has highs on everything. <laughs> Sounds like a power gamer. No, but, but seriously, though, some of the classes I don't understand or get what they are. But you've also got to consider, too, like things are happening in like like fiction alongside this as fiction is being written and coming out from video games to comic books, uh, manga to novels. And we're not limited to just Tolkien or Howard Conan novels and Edgar Rice Burroughs anymore. There's so many things that people have as new archetypes or newer ideas that are more common in these new kinds of fiction. It may be like when you look at the old, core four the fighter the thief the <laughs> wizard the magic or the magic user and the cleric that'd be like oh that's not the kind of what i was thinking with fantasy that's that's that was fantasy 50 60 years ago <laughs> right, exactly with uh more and new creative things like you said yeah we need to continue to expand and, ev- and evolve you know balance with, with something that we spend more time gaming versus time looking up stuff in books which i think we've both complained about before <laughs> yeah i know i know my daughter when she played with us she really wanted to play a character class that was uh that was something i had never or character race that i had never heard of the fantasy thing that she was into and uh and i remember i was like okay i gotta find we were playing castles and crusades and i had that what's that large 
large large PDF book online floating around for castles and crusades. Oh, the, the companion? Crusader Companion. The Crusader Companion. Yep. Yeah, if you all have it, if you all play Castles and Crusades, get the Crusader Companion. It's a PDF that's been floating online with tons of classes and tons of races and tons of other supplemental stuff. It's like massive. I printed it out and threw it in a th- in a three-ring binder. It's a big old one of the biggest three-ring binders I have in my three-ring binder collections. Because I got three-ring binder collections of game books and stuff like that. <laughs> this has been photo it used to be a photocopied off things but now printed off things and put it there because i can't get print or it's not imprint and i want it's not imprint yeah a lot of times the deal is that's not imprint and i have to i want this in a book on the table so print but anyways my daughter wanted to play something that she was into it's a race that i had never heard of and stuff like that so we just found the closest thing and said okay i'm gonna magic hand it and you are this thing that you want to be that's in your modern in, in a newer uh, fantasies that dad has no idea what's going on. I never know what's going on. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure what she was telling me about it. I have sometimes I try to understand. I try to listen and get into it and sit down and watch the shows or whatever might be helpful when I do do that. <laughs> yeah. But again, I think it's fine to homebrew and modify stuff again, you know, with some level of balance, we have ran into power games before that just, made their characters super maxed out with everything there's people that like that there's people that really get into that style of gaming i think that's why third edition has stuck around so long because there's the, like character builds and stuff like that's a thing they did i'd never heard of a character build until recent years i was just rolling up a character is what they called it and right. making the character was coming up with well, this fellow has, yeah, this fellow has a big board on the end of his nose and he doesn't like right. this and that. And he went, that was what I thought I was making a character was coming with a personality and stuff like that. But that's changed. No, it, it, it has. You have people that are trying to optimize the character based on the um, maximizing their attributes and selection of feats and skills. And, you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, this is not very fun anymore. Everyone's trying to power game. So, for me, it's like, yeah, I have no issues with people modifying home, bringing the classes, but there has to be a balance to their character class. They just can't be like Superman, right? Yeah. Well, Palladium was the king of that. Uh, the book I have here that I pulled out earlier, Heroes Unlimited is one of the worst books for it, especially the second edition where they brought in mega heroes. You could make, it's like, okay, where's the invulnerability with the super strength and the continue to heal for us? healing fat like you can get off the hook it can be absurd yeah it's a fun game if there's some reasonable boundaries within the game it's it's a really good game i've always had fun with it i know some people find it a little more difficult and like i said i do think the palladium character creation process could benefit by being made easier and clearer yeah so i guess it also depends on your gaming group right so for example, you have a Palladium game that's running right now. I'm not in that in that game, but I'm also not in the Palladium either. So I think it's uh, it depends on your, on the gaming group on what style of game they want to play. If they want to play like a super powered, huge mega superhero game, yeah, go for it. Yeah, and, and now we're just talking about classes. We wanted to expand classes to all different games. It would be absurd. We're mostly focusing on on the basic core AD and D or core Dungeons and Dragons game. If we yeah. got if we got into other stuff, it, it would. It, I don't think. I think that was those would probably be, you know. <laughs> no, it, it it get complicated. But you you know to your earlier point about 
class-based versus skill-based system. So there's a lot of different games that are using the 5e engine as their base. So like cyberpunk games, um, biopunk games that I have are all doing, you know, a 5e engine. Uh, I think Dark Places and Demigorgons tried to do a 5e Kickstarter that um, didn't succeed, but they're going to try again. So a lot of people are using that 5e base class system, which um, I think is good because people, are, many people are familiar with it. So that's why I've been looking to pick up more 5e based systems so we can transition to different genres. But then I think you're limited also by the uh, class based skills. I much prefer a skill based system like Chaosium does. I've always been a big fan of skills in games. Um, I can't say that I'm always a big fan of skills in games. If that makes sense. <laughs> I have always been, but I have, but I am not always a fan of it. So I think that different games do different things well. And there are different approaches to each game and there's different variants to each game. And a lot of times like dungeon masters find what they find in that game and know how to run it and they can run that well. And that's a fun game. But if you're looking at like a lot of the earlier D and D specifically wasn't skill based. And I think that that runs a specific game that works real well for itself. At the same time, I was playing a lot of skill based systems uh, years before I ever picked up D and D believe it or not. So like, especially with Palladium's big percent thing, their classes are more vast because when you're talking about the skill thing, it's there's a lot of customization that goes on to what this sure. character is. And depending on how many skills and stuff like that you get, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot. Like Call of Cthulhu, a lot of it, I don't think there's any kind of class. It's just kind of like, this is an archetype. If you want to have be this kind of character, you take these skills. Yep. So you build something out like that and you can make a variant of, I say, okay, but this guy, this, this character I'm making is going to have less of this and more of this. So it's slightly different than your average doctor. Right. You know? Average uh, college professor or whatever. But as you mentioned, you know, it's based on, on a point buy. So the point buy is your balance for the game. So you don't have any power gaming going on there. I know that uh, what you call it has are they called skills in forbidden lands i can't remember i think they're called skills aren't they i think i think they're called skill well you got skills and you, you got traits you, too. you have the traits and and like there you have that is a class based with the skills as well but it, it's kind of you kind of get a little more customization with things and what you choose and the character creation itself from the classes is story-driven character creation, character creation that pushes you to make bonds with others and things you have to resolve in the in the game itself, how you relate to others, as opposed to just picking a skill and picking a whatever for their, you know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah, it's more character development for your backstory. Yeah, and not even your backstory, but, but in how you're going to interact with the others currently and in the world too, because there's asking you how, like to write down things about your relationship with party members and stuff in the character creation, which is an interesting approach. So what's your favorite class? Favorite class of mine? I mean, um, for me, there's certain subclasses that I like, you know, so for fighters, I like playing rangers. For magic users, I like necromancers. Um, I don't really play clerics too much unless I'm playing like some type of warrior priest type. Mm -hmm. And then I pretty much like all, all the thief classes. I, I tend to gravitate towards thievy classes in game <laughs> i i think that my favorite class is probably the thief period just just hands down i don't i, I don't know when the last time i played a thief was yeah i don't think i've been in a game where you've played a thief 
I've played I played quite a few thieves in the past, and I I often will gravitate towards the thief character, or sometimes the thief gets rebranded as the rogue. Right. I definitely gravitate towards that, but I've been trying to play classes I haven't played and don't normally play and get through other classes. I have done an unequal amount of thief characters through my life. They're the ones I've played the most. Yeah. Definitely. I like a magic user. I'll do a magic user occasionally. A magic user or a cleric. I often play when I feel that, oh, well, it looks like the group's going to need this filled right. out. Yeah, I would agree. And I've recently played uh, playing Logar the Barbarian. Is A barbarian essentially is a subclass of the, the fighter, fighter class. I've not played a lot of fighters over my lifetime, just period. I've never been one who plays a lot of fighters. I've always thought it was more interesting to come up with somebody who's less capable of handling themselves one of my favorite characters was a nightbane and that that has like has some sort of acolyte class or something i can't remember what the class was exactly but it was you're not a, you're not a magic user but you're someone who reads about the stuff right and you know about it and you know about it. it and this this feller had no abilities and powers to fight had no powers for magic just was trying to scrape by as a normal person who had some knowledge. I had a lot of fun playing a character like that. I enjoy it. You have yeah. to come up with other ideas, but no, you gotta be creative to it. But um, you know, I think for me, I never play clerics because in real life I have issues with religion in general, organized religion. So I don't enjoy playing religious characters. It brings me too much stress. Yeah, <laughs> you know, personally. Um, so for me, that's why I don't typically play clerics unless I'm playing like a priest of Sigmar or something like that from a Warhammer universe where it's relatively easy to just be a, a smashing machine. But <laughs> again, I think it probably roots back to me not being religious and having issues with organized religion. Yeah. And I've, I've played a few characters or clerics that were characters that were clerics. It's, it's I think that the clerics and under a, a misunderstood class. So I want to put this out here because a lot of times I hear about clerics and people think they're just a peaceful sitting back there healing people class. And that's not what that class is. And this is what I want to be clear. And, and whether it's good or bad, the concept of the OG cleric is essentially the crusader. It's the holy warrior. That's why it's one of the it's, yes. top fighter characters, but they also have religious elements added to it. So this was this character is coming out of the crusader and what happened there. These people were not, they weren't nice. Yeah. In the <laughs> they, background. Were nice. they were fighters. They were they fighters. Were killers. And, and that's probably why another reason why I don't want, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I can't stand Christian we, crusaders. So that's probably another reason why I don't like the class. Yeah. That was a thing that happened in history. That's what that class is based on. That's just reality. So when you think of the cleric and thinking like peace, love, and understand, like that's not really the class. That's, not, that's yeah, not no. really what this was. Now, it's a warrior are, crusader. I have seen more priest classes and stuff like that that are that lean more into what people seem to perceive a cleric to be sometimes, where I'm just a preacher rolling around. But that wasn't that wasn't a cleric. The cleric is not the preacher rolling around. <laughs> no, no, no. So you know, I've I've brought up characters like I said, where it's a warrior priest. I've also done stuff where you're like a friar. So you're like a ro you know a roving friar, for example. Yeah. I, I think I think a friar might be in the Crusaders' companion for Castles and Crusades. 
Well, here's the other thing too. When you say you rolled up a warrior priest, in my mind, my mind goes straight to cleric. Goes, well, the warrior priest is the cleric. <laughs> that's what the cleric is. That, yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's the scene. <laughs> like, that's what the crusader was. That's what the crusader was. So playing something like that, yeah, it's like that it's, was the warrior. It's priest. very si- single, single-minded. <laughs> um, so you're playing more fighter than cleric. And I think the one time I did roll up a supporting cleric, I I made it as a um, a cleric that would not fight. So he was just a healer. So he carried like a huge kite shield and he carried a staff and that was it. <laughs> it's been quite a few years now. It's been probably seven or eight years ago, I want to say. Oh man, it has been. It doesn't. Uh. Anyways, time flies when you're getting old. <laughs> <laughs> that It does. We did for a while and it was second edition we ran about seven years ago, I want to say. We were playing AD&D second edition and we did a full on just like pacifist campaign where they were given orders not to kill anything and stuff like that there was all this religious stuff it was really cool campaign it was neat like there were like there were certain things that you kill like undead is okay to kill but for the most part most of the monsters and things they were running into they were trying not to kill and fight and stuff it was really fun campaign it definitely went into blows but but it was what it was it was a neat campaign a different approach that was just kind of a side trick guess what What's that? We're we're at we're coming to time. That was a very quick discussion on classes. I'm sure yeah. we, we can talk about classes some more in the future again. If you've enjoyed what you've heard here today, you can follow us on Facebook. Just search Wobblies and Wizards. Wobbliesandwizards.com is our URL. And keep those dice rolling. Roll what you need for whatever, whatever class you play. Yeah, just roll that 3d6 uh please please not all ones not all ones or if you're playing <laughs> dungeon crawl classics roll that d16 or whatever that oddball dice is <laughs> <laughs>